And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The only podcast you need for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends, technologies, and strategies used to achieve massive growth and 10x businesses. I'll be sitting down with sales, marketing, and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them, dispel myths, and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Thank you for joining me, your host, Scott, on the Sales versus Marketing podcast, where we speak with sales, marketing, and business leaders. Today, I'm sitting down with Heather Combs, who is the Chief Revenue Officer for Three Pillar Global. Uh, now, Three Pillar Global is a global software development firm. Uh, they've helped brands like National Geographic, PBS, Park Mobile, Equinox, to name a few uh, home, na- uh, really, really strong names that you would know, uh, to build more revenue-generating digital products. Um, so in her role at Three Pillar, Heather sits at the intersection of sales and marketing, and she's helped propel the company through a period of sustained growth. Right now, she oversees marketing, uh, business development, sales, operations, um, and over 900 people uh, globally. So she is integral in creating, crafting, and executing, implementing revenue acceleration strategies that are currently driving Three Pillars, continued year-over-year double-digit growth. So very, very impressive what Three Pillars is doing what Heather's doing. Now, to give you a little bit of background about Heather before I pass it over to her, um, before joining Three Pillar, Heather was the Chief Business Development Officer at the HR Certification Institute. Um, She's responsible for overall overall revenue strategy, led product management, strategic partnerships, and sales orgs. Uh, Prior to HRCI, she was uh, Chief Business Development Officer at Aronson and uh, Chief Sales Officer at Hanover Research. Uh, she spent 13 years at CEB, a corporate executive board, where she led project management, sales, strategic partnerships, initiatives. She was named member of the year by the Institute for Excellence in Sales in 2019 and is on the Institute for Excellence in Sales, IES, Executive Leadership Advisory Board. She's been named top 25 women leaders in tech services and consulting by the Software Report, and she's been published in Fox Business News, which is massively impressive. So she always speaks on stage about sales, leadership, tech, women and leadership positions and sales leadership positions. Um, she's a native of Texas. She has five daughters, which are currently at home with her. So she's, uh, she's taking a little bit of time and I appreciate it to, to chat with me. Um, she holds a master's of public service and administration um, and a BS in political science and psychology from Texas A&M. Um, she's very passionate about obviously sales, revenue, uh, business operations, uh, women in corporate leadership, and a, and a variety of other topics. 
So I'll let um, you know, Heather like take it away. Give us uh, give us a little bit of a background about how you have such an impressive resume across a ton of organizations. You've been senior for a while now in, in various like executive. Um, where did you where did you come from? What was uh, what was your uh, you know your starting point? Well, thanks, Scott. If, if somebody walked around reading that all of the time, I would um, understand why I don't sleep very often. Um, <laughs> it it sense, sounds yeah. like so much when, it, when it's all together. Um, and really, the, the job in the office I'm much better at than the one at home with all these little girls who are um, out of school at the moment. So um, definitely, let's talk about the career. The, the short story is I came up through um, politics. I landed in Washington, D.C., um, working for a congressman, and then um, after my master's degree, returned to the area with the Points of Light organization. So I thought I was going to do politics and the nonprofit space. And while I was in that, I quickly discovered that you can't uh, pay school loans and rent in Washington, D.C. on a um, nonprofit salary. So it led That's me <laughs> right to um, the, the consulting um, track, which in the 90s was a big way for people out of graduate school to, to go into one of the big um, consulting organizations. And I joined the corporate executive board as they were going public from the advisory board. So it was this 400 uh, people that were uh, carved out and sent to launch CEV into what became this mammoth organization that was acquired by Gartner. And by joining a growth company on that curve, I just had a tremendous set of like opportunities ahead of me. I was able to move through the organization in all kinds of different roles um, as they were rapidly growing that gave me a really well-rounded um, background in business from all kinds of angles. That's really, so that, that was like, that was what really defined and, and moved and gave your career momentum like that, that aligning with CEB while they were on such a high growth. So after, after CEB, you went through several different, um, several different roles. I, like you, you sort of dabbled in product management, sales, BD. What, what made you fall in love with sales? Well, in all of those roles, I think the truth is, I think of myself as building businesses. Um, we, whether you're just determining the pricing strategy or the contracting methodology or putting into place a new um, market for your business, you can, you can put those all under the umbrella of revenue or sales and marketing, but really it's about building the organization and generating the profitability that it needs to grow. There are all kinds of ways that you can help organizations um, in that. And of course, the, the actual sales of the organization and the, the brand building that is in marketing is just happens, it happens to be where my passion is. Like, I love mm -hmm. that aspect of it. And then, so th is that what, is that what uh, led you to, to what you're doing now? Like, just like the passion for building a brand, aligning that and, and basically driving revenue through that brand and like that higher level strategy. That's, um, because I know you had a few different, uh, a few different roles in between CEB, I think, and, and uh, Three Pillar. That's right. So in those years between CEB um, and now at Three Pillar, where I've been for the last three and a half or so years, um, I was helping organizations either as a W-2 or as a 1099 um, to really achieve their goals. So I was going in and out of organizations yeah. that had a large goal ahead of them, and they were trying to find their path forward. 
whether that was um, at Hanover launching into the commercial space or at, um, at HRCI, which had just split and gone um, their own way from SHRM and needed to really build a brand in the market separate from their SHRM affiliation. Those were the kinds of projects I was taking on. I was asked into Three Pillar initially as they were going through an inflection point of really having been a startup and needing to build into a corporate entity. So they were um, nine-ish years old or so when I joined and um, that they were kind of going on this rocket ship to the right of needing to make sure that the, they had their place carved out in the market. We now have you know, strong industry strategy, um, a, a strong brand in the market, and that needed to be built. Um, and I fell in love with the organization. It's a, just a great place to work. And, and when, you, when you started with Three Pillar, did you go to, like, immediately into that, into that CRO role, or did you, did you start somewhere else and then move into that? I did. I, w I started with them as a consultant for the first okay. several months, um, helping them um, think through building out this industry strategy. And as I fell in love with the organization and they asked if I would stay on in the full-time role as CRO, um, I said yes. And I've been here ever since. We have just actually exited our um, initial uh, private equity company and taken on um, major capital we closed earlier this week. And so I think you'll oh, see congratulations. even more um, in the years ahead. And can you give me a little bit of um, just a, a background? We were chatting a little bit before, um, before we started this, but I want um, people to understand the context of what Three Pillar does. Like what problem are they solving? Why do you, why do you love working there? Well, Three Pillar builds breakthrough software products that power digital businesses. So it's some of the most exciting space to be in. We um, are helping companies figure out what their voice um, strategy is. So if you ask Alexa a question for several of our clients, you'll get an answer that we helped them program. If you are um, buying um, furniture or building uh, a room onto your house, you might use our 3D modeling capability. Or if you're paying to park as you run those errands and you um, hit one button on your phone to do so, you're touching the kinds of things we make. So you're just, we're in that space that is really changing the way people live, work, and play through their digital application. In some cases, they're doing so in such a ubiquitous space, you don't even realize you're using a product. The technology just surrounds you in that way. And so I think it's just, it's exciting. There's something always interesting coming through in a project. Um, the client base that we work with is um, unbelievable. Uh, so it's a lot of fun for me. No, I, I appreciate that. And I think that my, my biggest eye opener was a, a really great, a really great talking point that we were discussing. Um, it was the fact that these companies uh, that I, I sort of want to frame it up because I don't know, maybe I'm just naive. So I don't know. But a lot of these companies don't have all these, the staff on hand and they don't have the different components of a software development team. They do have some, but what, what three pillars really offering and providing and the, the pain point they're solving is they can sort of backfill those different, those different spots as a company tries to develop this thing or that thing for, for their customer base. So I thought that was very interesting. And I like the names that I mentioned before, like national geo PBS park mobile equinox, and I'm sure there's many, many more. Um, those are, those are large household names. So like what you're doing right now is, is very impressive. I, uh, I didn't realize it existed <laughs> to this extent for that level of customer. 
Uh, right. I think that um, there's a, a term in the technology um, space that's product engineering um, is what you can think of it as. The shortcut might be outsourced engineering. But it is when companies reach out to a professional services firm like ours to help them really bring to life a vision that they have um, of something they can bring to the market, but that in-house they might not have the capability to do so. So one of our largest clients is, a, is an insurance company. And so you um, Im imagine that no one there um, probably has the skills to build um, some kind of um, technology product that you or I might use every day on our phones, but they might have a, a fairly wide team that helps them keep their website running, their mobile app running. Their, um, so they bring in these specialized skills in order to um, really take it to the next level on the customer interfacing side of their products. Yeah, no, that's, um, it, it's very valuable. Um, I'm very impressed that, that you found yourself in this position like through this massive growth curve. So it seems like, I don't know if you find the growth or, or you facilitate the growth, but it seems like you're always in a really good spot, which is a career lesson. So I think that's a, an important takeaway just at a high level. You do wanna make sure that you're aligning with the right company. I think you're doing that now and you've done it before. Um, I want to, I want to speak, uh, unless you want to go a little bit more into three pillars, it's, it's your choice, but I do want to speak about something that you're very passionate about and that I think, um, I would love to, to cover just because I don't have enough expertise in it personally. Um, because unfortunately I, I am not a woman and, uh, although I'm in sales leadership, I can't speak to it. Um, so I want to, I want to hear your thoughts on, on women in leadership, women in sales leadership. I think that there's. Uh, obviously, I think that in leadership in general, um, we're not seeing the same uh, variation or, or, or lack of, of, of strong female leaders as we see in sales leadership. I don't know too many female really strong sales leaders, not even strong like and at all. I don't see a lot of uh, female sales leaders. I don't see a lot of females in sales. I don't see a lot of women as, uh, you know, as account executives, as SDRs. I, I, don't, I don't see that in Maybe it's just the environment that I'm in because I work for a very legacy type of industry. But let me, like, maybe you can fill me in. Like, am I, am I totally off base? Like, you know, is, is the sales world changing? Um, are, we, are we seeing more, you know, I guess across the board and maybe in San Francisco and emerging tech, are we seeing more uh, women getting into sales, which is be an, an amazing thing? Um, or are we still sort of, uh, are we still sort of struggling in that? I, I hope it's improving, and I certainly encourage women to lean into all of the great benefits there are um, in the sales career field. I think that women have moved quite a bit from the place where they, they, they didn't feel seen and heard to um, the place where they were mostly seen and heard in what, in what I think of as like female audiences. So you saw women leading companies that were based in fashion or um, yes, food yeah. production. But now women are really executives at all types of companies across um, all industries. And so I, I hope women are making progress here and they're seeing the opportunity and they're feeling it regardless of what type of company or industry that they're in. I, so I think that, I think that, in general, I have seen more women in, in leadership positions outside of like the, the types of industries that you just mentioned, so like fashion and, and, uh, and food and whatnot. But I still think we have a long ways to go. I remember reading an article, uh, Forbes uh, named, it was like the Forbes top 100 uh, 
tech sales, uh, tech leaders or something like that. I think there was like one woman on the list and there was a big, you know, outcry of like, <laughs> like you, you, you screwed up, like you, you effed up Forbes for, or I think it was Forbes. And if it wasn't, I apologize. But there, like that is still, unfortunately, I find very, very symbolic of, of what an, of what a tech leader is. And it's, and unfortunately, I think that women are permeating a little bit more and, and they're having more of these really, really strong roles, which is a good thing because, you know, we can speak about, um, we can speak about what women bring to the table that men lack. And there's a certain amount of empathy and communication and, and just a strategy that I've, I've found personally working with women um, that I find is a really strong driver for successful business that I don't think men bring to the table to the same extent um, in general. And these are all obviously all generalities. Uh, but I really do believe that women stepping into leadership roles is, a, is an amazing thing regardless of industry, obviously. But why, why is sales uh, such like a hot topic? Like why, why have I not seen a ton of uh, f- like women, female sales leaders? Even when I'm looking for guests for this podcast, like I, you know, I get 100, I get 100 VP sales, you know, directors, CROs, CMOs all coming at me. They're mostly guys. Like, I don't know if that's just who wants to put themselves out there and jump on a podcast or, or if that's just sort of like an indicator of the, of the industry. Um, but uh, maybe, you know. Well, remind me to send you a yeah. list because I know a lot of fantastic women in these roles. So I'll introduce you to a few. Um, I would love, I, I would love. <laughs> but I, I do think you're right. I think that sales and marketing and frankly, lots of leadership roles, but certainly in sales and marketing, it requires a certain level of confidence and willingness to throw your own hat in the ring. You have to um, take that opportunity you see in front of you and jump in even when you don't feel ready. So the research is fantastic that um, no one is ever ready for the the next job they take, but Mm -hmm. men will put themselves out there if they are um, just fractionally um, prepared that, they've, that they're experienced in a field where women will wait until they have all of the skill sets listed, experience in each of them and feel like they have mastery. And so they won't um, jump into career fields or positions or um, try to have work their, the path to promotion until they feel more than adequately prepared, whereas men will jump forward. And so I really encourage women Throw your hat in the ring, raise your hand, say you're willing to take it and accept that nobody is ready on day one. That's really, um, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. I have no idea why. (laughs) But I, you know, even like thinking about like when I've applied for jobs in the past, I've always with 100% certainty known that I can eventually do that job. But yeah, for sure, there's things on that list of, you know, requirements, like, God forbid, most of those, most of those job postings are just like boilerplate copied over and, and the hiring manager doesn't even know what's on that uh, job rec. But um, like, I'd say there's a, a large majority of things like, yeah, okay, well, like, I've never done it before, but I'm sure I could figure it out kind of mentality when you're going in to apply for a job. Um, and it's funny that that's sort of the, that's what's limiting um, women from like actually stepping into those next levels in their career. I think women sometimes also hold themselves back artificially, um, imagining forward the obstacles they might hit. And so one in the industry that you hear a lot is um, sales and marketing both require a significant amount of travel. Um, It can be less or more depending on the industry and what you're selling or marketing. But for most of them, they're not office jobs. And so women will say, well, someday I want to have kids, so I'm not going to take that job. 
Um, and one, I would say to women, don't plan for a tomorrow that hasn't happened yet. You can take the job, change careers at any point. So if you were in your 20s thinking about sales, but thinking someday I don't want to travel, take the job now. Someday you don't have to travel. And then for the women who, who are looking down the path of still needing to travel, um, it's really possible. I mean, I have five girls and I make it work. I have a fantastic yeah. partner. He doesn't have to travel with his job. And so he's there. We have a live-in au pair. Um, one of my biggest pieces of advice is to outsource anything you can. So if you have the means, um, find the things you don't love and have someone else do them. I don't, um, you know, I have people who cut the grass in the summer, for example, but find those ways that you have time and capacity to continue yeah. doing what you love. Um, there, it's really doesn't have to be the self-fulfilling prophecy that you, that you might think early on of saying, well, I'm not going to be able to do X, so I'm not going to do it now. And I guess that if there isn't that thought in, in, a, in, a, in a man's head of, you know, I'm, I'm, he's not thinking like, I, I'm going to stay home with the kids. And this is, again, a generality. But when I jump into jobs, um, especially before, you know, I also have a, an amazing partner home now and, and, we're, and we're settling down and planning a life together. So maybe that is more of a consideration, the, the lack of traveling. So we can sort of, sort of share duties as we, as we grow our family. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was jumping into jobs, it was never like, I was never thinking, oh, I'm going to have to stay home with the kids one day. And, it, and it's, it's, not, it's not something I consciously thought of. It's just, it just wasn't on my mind at all. Like it just wasn't, you know, so that could be another inhibitor. Um, for someone who's looking to step into that kind of, you know, role that could be international travel, a lot of responsibility, those high level executive sales roles. Absolutely. And I think women will hold themselves back from giving it a shot and figuring out how they can make it succeed rather than saying um, yeah. that they just aren't going to go there. Um, I, I, I really. Have, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I had, a, I had, I had one more point that I wanted to, to bring up that is really important for me because I don't think it gets discussed enough. And, you know, I'm, whenever, whenever I speak about um, women leadership, I'm very, very conscious of, of what I'm saying because I don't want, I don't want to offend somebody by speaking in terms of what I've seen the landscape of sales leadership to be, because I am a firm believer that more women should be in this. And, you know, you mentioned I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. 
Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely 
drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. You had a list, and I think that would be great to like go through and sort of speak to some of these success stories. And I've, I've also worked with other female leaders, but what I don't think is the answer is when women feel they need to act like men. I think that, I think that that's the wrong message, and I have seen, not seen that message broadcasted, but I've seen that kind of um, personality sort of the, the need to replace a man as a woman. But I don't think that's the answer. And I think that's the wrong message. And I think that, I think that as a strong female leader, you have to double down on what you do best. And I don't think that's, you know, acting <laughs> all, 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 all like, uh, you know, like the, what's the word, toxic masculinity. You don't have to emulate that to step into a sales role. And I think that, unfortunately, that's something that a lot of people feel if they're going to sort of hold that position. I, you know, I love that you brought this up. I couldn't agree with you more that the answer to having more women in leadership roles is not to have women act like men so that now we have all the same again. Mm -hmm. I think whether it's men and women or diversity of all other kinds, whether that's age or socioeconomic or Mm -hmm. cultural background or international experiences, every time we bring different thinking to the table, the end result gets better. And so rather than having everyone strive to act like the, um, the male counterpart, the individual they see ahead of them who's been successful, let's each bring our unique experiences and our unique abilities to the table to make the end goal um, more accessible from all kinds of angles. And women in particular, I mean, we represent half of the population. We're, we are more than half of the buying power um, in the economy. And so and having those voices in the purchasing decisions and the way products are built um, only will make the outcome better. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. I encourage women not to feel like they have to not be themselves. The flip side of that discussion is that men um, in particular have to come to respect the differences and the capability at the table as well. So the biggest place I see the problem there is usually on communication style. Men will be very forward, very aggressive. They will cut people off in conversations in order to make their point. 
And women, by either social training or nature or whatever it is, will tend to wait until someone completes a thought and then therefore look either less passionate or less confident in their answer. So those are kinds of things that the women have to, to own what they're good at and do more of it. And then the men need to really accept the difference is okay. So how do you, how do you change that perception? And, and I think that as sales and, and revenue evolves from less of uh, an art to more of a science, because I do believe in like activity-based management, um, I believe that coaching is, is coaching to uh, behaviors and pain points in the rep, not just pipeline review, all these things that are sort of bringing people up as individuals and require a little bit more than just an aggressive, like do more without telling the person how to do it approach to, to sales management. I think that those all lend cadence to somebody who can be a little bit more thoughtful, empathetic, self-aware. Um, I think that traditional sales, like the, 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 the concept of traditional sales people is broken. And I think that broken concept is, is associated with a more aggressive management style. And that's why I think that as we see some, hopefully we see some companies that are more forward thinking in how they look at sales and they look at what drives successful sales organizations and marketing as well. Um, but I think sales is a little bit more broken than marketing. Um, I, I would hope that, that that opens up more of an intellectual sales leader as opposed to a, like a spreadsheet taskmaster type sales leader that unfortunately did exist and, and still exists some, in some places, but I think we're seeing that less and less. So, Well, here at Three Pillar, um, we, we do a lot of work on empowering women in leadership and in technology in particular. Um, so I happen to get to stand in front of a parade of an amazing group of women who have built a, um, a, a market force called Empower Her, where we take professional skill building to our women and to the community in order to um, help empower women, to, especially women engineers, to join the technology and stay in the STEM fields. Um, so I really have this like awesome spot to, to sit yeah. in with it. But I, in that women in, in leadership element, I think that you see that women can accomplish all kinds of things in other methodologies. We have had at times an all-female engineering team, so led by the engagement manager all the way through the engineering talent, who was then purchased, that team was put together and worked with a female buyer at a major media company. So it was a female buyer buying an all-female team of engineers working together to um, produce a product. And, and it's sort of legend around here that they came together and what they produced. But I think that those are the instances that even organizations should think about that I think our female buyers even get excited mm -hmm. about seeing all of the women um, that we have in technology. So it just differentiates us in the market and it, and it really helps um, attract amazing talent to the organization. I like that a lot. It's smart um, because what, like, if you think about all the other, all the other uh, groups that we use to sell to, like we, we, we sell, if we're trying to target a certain culture, we usually bring somebody in who is closely associated with that culture that we're trying to sell to, say if it's on a global level, because there is already a level of trust that is built between those two individuals. So why would that not also carry over to if you're working with a female buyer? Right. You're not going to you're not if there's language barriers between two between a sales rep and a customer, 
you're going to have a very hard time um, trying to close that deal. So that's why you're going to send somebody who can speak a, speak a native language or all these little nuances of sales that we already do when we're, when we're selling globally, right? But I think that, that to build an organization that's, that understands that power is important. But not a lot of organizations, I think, have such an emphasis on this. So, you know, as, a, as somebody who's young in their career, a woman who's trying to navigate the, the sales force or just her, her future career, say she, say she knows that she has to sort of put herself out there. She has to apply for those jobs. Um, she's going to learn a lot, a lot of the skills. Uh, she has to sort of lean in, um, but she doesn't have that support. Where would she go if she doesn't have it in her own organization? I, there are all kinds of wonderful organizations out there that will help um, mentor and encourage and support women to grow in those successes. So I always encourage women, have a great set of mentors. And as you have the opportunity, be a mentor to others. I think there are benefits on both sides. Um, I participate in all types of, like I'm on the advisory council of an organization called STEM for Her. And the um, goal of the organization is to help middle school and high school girls stay excited about and ready for careers in technology and in the STEM fields. And in that, I meet all kinds of amazing, um, successful, powerful women from their career fields, and they make me better, and they yeah. provide opportunity. And I encourage other women to find those outlets. So find organizations that are full of women. Um, if you're in the greater DC area, reach out to me, and I'll plug you in with our Empower Her movement. If you are um, in a couple of other major cities, have great Wonder Women dinners. Um, Fortune runs Most Powerful Women, um, which has got an amazing newsletter that comes with it that sort of tells you all about what's going on. But there are lots of tips and tricks that um, women can do to find their um, people and yeah. feel encouraged, supported, and trained up in, in their career fields. I think that that's very important because like I've done that for myself, for my own career, for just looking for mentor groups and whatnot. But um, to understand that, that there is this, there is this sort of gap, this gender gap in, in tech leadership, sales leadership. I think it's important to align the people that can sort of get your foot in the door or give you the, give you the right mentorship that can sort of help your career forward. So um, that, that's something like I always advise, uh, I always advise aligning with mentors uh, regardless, but I've never really thought of it from that lens. Um, that you that you have to go into these specific groups that will really drive your career understanding your situation uh, more than agnostic of uh, you know uh, industry right agnostic of of uh of what you're actually doing in your in your nine to five like they understand like the struggles that you're dealing with from like a, an actual gender perspective like that's huge and that's that can probably be so empowering for people that are, are really like go-getters trying to get to the next level in their career and they just feel like they they don't have anybody. So I don't know if a lot of women who are, are in sales or in tech or just looking to grow their career know that these groups exist. Um, but if, if they don't, I would, I would definitely suggest you go seek these out. Um, maybe even like at the end of this, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get the best contact info for you so people can, uh, can understand where or, or how to reach out to you. Maybe just reach out to you to to get an idea of what to look for in a mentorship group, so that they're pointed in the right direction too. Absolutely, would be happy to help that way. And I'm, you know, I encourage women who have made it through um, the the trail they've blazed to the place that they are to turn around and help others, so that our daughters don't experience um, any headwinds that we did coming up through this. So I think that for those women that are coming up, seek 
um, support and encouragement and connections and networking and mentorship from women who've been there before. And women, if you are in the position of being a hiring manager or um, a mentor yourself, um, turn around and help out um, those that are seeking our support. Do you, you mentioned something and, and we sort of spoke about this a little bit. Um, outside of just uh, from, you know, this is sort of like internally motivated, feeling uh, comfortable going into careers and going to new jobs and that's something that's already going to help your own career as, as somebody who wants to increase uh, or, or go to the next level in, in the workforce as, as a woman, obviously. Um, do you find other major challenges that you've experienced in your career um, that you would say uh, people should be on the lookout for or how to navigate those challenges? Um, maybe just like a couple, like, uh, a couple examples of things that you sort of had to work through? Um, I, th I think that a couple of them um, that are probably too obvious, maybe overly cliche, is that early on in my career, of course, we were we as women were spoken to um, in a different way. Um, you know, you might be in, I sold initially to lawyers, for example, and so you might be in a legal office and you might be getting called honey or sweetie or, mm. um, and those things don't happen anymore. Um, certainly the world has changed a great deal, luckily. Um, I certainly think also um, as you climb through your career, perhaps people are less condescending as they might've been in that moment. But I even said in the moment that it was happening is like, use that for good. If you can sort of turn, turn away, um, just um, let them set low expectations for you and then exceed all of it in the moment. Just jump over that hurdle and then impress the audience so that the person who called you sweetie as you walked in is the one that looks foolish afterwards. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the, the other place to make sure that you're just pressing through whatever discomfort you have is that there are lots of meeting rooms you're going to be the only woman in. And so accepting that, accepting that you look different, that you're probably a different height of most of the people in the room, <laughs> that you, um, you might be wearing something different than most of the people in the room, and um, sit in that discomfort as um, not um, something that holds you back, but rather that, that you find exciting and empowering. You say, I'm not the last that will be here. I just happen to be the first. Or today I'm the only, but next time I have the opportunity to bring someone into the room, I'm going to make sure that it doesn't look like this. I love that perspective. That's really, really, that's powerful. And it's really, it's a really healthy perspective to look at it uh, that way. Um, I think that uh, like when you're, when you're, when you're in that position, um, I think that one more point that I would like to add on to that is that prepare yourself for that. Understand the reality that in maybe in sales and tech um, and in certain industries, there probably won't be as many women as other industries. So if you sort of prepare yourself mentally, don't let that sidetrack how incredible you are in the moment. Um, and that's only something that will ever happen if you aren't prepared mentally for that situation that you're sort of stepping into. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one thing, um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to just ask uh, a couple more. There are a little bit more vanilla questions just about like lessons you've learned over your career, but um, I kind of just want to give you the floor for anything that, that we haven't discussed or that I haven't sort of brought up in terms of leadership, tech leadership, women in tech or sales leadership, is there anything else that, uh, that you wanted to, to discuss? 
You know, I was thinking about the question that I get around, like best advice I would give. So you asked early in the conversation about how did I wind up in leadership early on and then how have I had leadership roles and differentiating just heading sales and marketing to really leading a business and growing a business. I would encourage um, those folks who are interested in going to the executive ranks to make sure the thing they are investing in is understanding the business um, as a whole. I call it business acumen, but making sure they can read a balance sheet, making sure they understand what the other departments are doing and what their important element that they provide to the organization is. Um, there can't be someone in an executive room who doesn't understand um, the larger part of the organization that is about profitability or about the cost structure or about um, how uh, our talent is um, recruited and cultivated. Um, you really need to know every part of the business and to be able to understand a conversation all the way down to its most um, technical financial um, aspects to really sit there. And so that's what I would encourage people is like, don't, if you want into the leadership roles, don't get so siloed that you can't see the big picture. Very good advice. Is that actually that sort of uh, dovetails into some of the, into the, some of the closing questions. Cause I always ask like, what is like the one piece of advice you tell, you tell, you know, your 16 year old self, 15 year old self. Um, that that's very, very technical business advice. And I, I appreciate it. And I, I agree with you. Is there more high level like learning or career advice that you give to your younger self that would sort of help accelerate to where you were today? Um, say yes. <laughs> say when you get asked to do crazy things, um, is you get offered to do a, a two year stint in the London office, say yes. You get asked to lead an initiative to launch the conference strategy for an organization, um, say yes. Um, you get asked on to um, a different team in a different department, or you get asked to lead an uh, a advisory council, say yes. Find all of the places that you can say yes. The people you'll meet, the experiences you'll get, the rounding of your skill set um, will be invaluable, no matter how um, you know, timid you are on the front end. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, so, you know, I've always found that uh, people that are, you know, high achievers, uh, they have mentors, they have uh, books, podcasts, audibles, um, and I'm sure there's more than one. But what is like, what is one mentor, one person or one learning source that you could recommend people uh, go and check out maybe something that you're, you're into now? Um, so I'm a voracious reader, although that's a little bit of a cheat. I really listen now to almost all of my books on audiobook um, so that I can um, move at the same time, whether it's driving or on the train up to New York or, or standing in an airport waiting on my flight, I can um, consume another book. And so I encourage people to read and to learn and to expand um, themselves. I am currently in a little bit of um, a, a place where I'm reading and listening to a bunch of books and podcasts on the concept of there being too much noise. So how do you slow down to go fast? Um, and I can, all kinds of them, one's called noise, one is called um, stillness is key. There is a great book called rest. Um, there is a Dan Pink book called when that's all about the timing, um, the importance of timing. Uh, that are all super interesting and really help us think through how distracted we are. Um, and so that's, that's what I personally am studying at the moment. Uh, but 
I have a long list of books I love if, if anybody wants to reach out on LinkedIn. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that's a great, uh, again, a great set. You, you, you must have, uh, <laughs> you must have a sixth sense because you're, you're basically uh, helping me <laughs> go into my next questions. So how do you, how does somebody reach out to you? Um, would it be LinkedIn email? What's uh, what's the best way? Yes. I like to think of myself as super approachable um, and accessible. So if you see me out in the, um, in the market, come say hi. And if you want to reach out before then LinkedIn is the best. And I'm Heather D. Combs on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com slash in slash Heather D. Combs. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So thank you. I appreciate that. That was a really, really good chat. Is there anything else you wanted to close up with? Because that was, uh, that's exactly what I wanted to get out of this. I just wanted to really dive into, into women in leadership. And, and I think that we, we really, really did a good job of covering that and gave, a, hopefully, um, people that were listening uh, some great ideas and a little bit of inspiration to sort of take their careers to the next level. Yeah, I would just say thanks for having me. Thanks for leaning into and really pressing on the the conversation and helping women um, achieve their career goals and us working on some gender balance. I love sales and marketing. Happy to come back and talk anytime on a more specific topic or to to join the cause, however you're fighting it. But thank you so much for for being on the front lines. Uh, no, my pleasure. Um, it's uh, I, I'm glad that I'm glad that you were able to speak to it because. I don't, I don't know as much about you on this topic at all, obviously. And, uh, and I, I, I love the, I love the topic. I know it's an issue, but I hate speaking about something when I'm not educated enough on it myself. So I appreciate you coming on and sort of giving us a little bit of insight and context as to like, you know, your background, but, um, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so as always, this has been another episode of the sales versus marketing podcast. Thank you, Heather, for joining. Um, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, comment, and share. Um, You can rate our podcast any rating as long as it includes five stars. Um, You can download this podcast wherever you can download podcasts, and you can also watch it on YouTube. As always, have a great day, have a productive week, and we will speak again soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Sales vs. Marketing Podcast, brought to you by ROI Overload. Delivering strategy, technology, and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com excellence. That's linkedin.com excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 